You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's US Open Round 2 catch-up. Serena stuns Contivate in three sets. Andy Murray sets up a battle with Berrettini. And Jack Draper has a night to remember against Felix Auger-Aliassime. Kim, today is the 1st of September and we are here to catch up on round two at the US Open at Tennis Weekly HQ. We've had another couple of fascinating days at Flushing Meadow and we are almost got our set of round three competitors for the men's and ladies singles competitions and it's been it's been a mixed bag hasn't it for the Brits it's been great on the on the male side it's really really thriving Andy Murray Jack Draper and Dan Evans and Cam Norrie hopefully getting the business done today but of course, we're a little bit sad that Emma Raducanu has fallen at the first hurdle, defending champion against Elise Cornet. So sad. I've actually brought on Chris, Tennis Weekly Chris, back on just to kind of help us, help us come to terms with this loss. I mean, I'll do my best, but I think you brought me back on to gloat at just how wrong I got it. I said she was making out the quarter. <laughs> there was no way. And yes. both of you were fully convinced she wouldn't make it past yeah. Cornet. So <laughs> you can have that one. Yeah, I've just updated our collector set. And uh, yeah, not many went against the the round one grain. It's about mm. half and half. But um, yeah, yours was very, very ambitious, Chris. So um, Across the board. Too ambitious. Yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, but, you know, I like the uh, enthusiasm for, for Emma and, and maybe like, I mean, I certainly think she's capable of getting to a semi-final, you know, again. I think now that this kind of weight is off her back, she doesn't have to think about being a defending champion anymore. She's uh, a bit more free, maybe, now that she's kind of got this out of the way, If looking on the positive side anyway. I don't think she looked like she was um, enjoying the moment as she has done previously, I think. There was obviously a lot of expectation on her. And although she might talk about the fact that there isn't that much expectation on herself because she's already gone out and proved herself uh, winning a major, the way that she played wasn't the way you play when you are, you know, carefree and you are hitting and there's no pressure on you given how many unforced errors she hit. But it's sad to see her uh, go out that way. But Cornet really, really did make it difficult for her getting so many balls back in court. Yeah, she is a very experienced player. I mean, it was her 63rd consecutive uh 63rd consecutive main draw at a Grand Slam, which just shows the level of consistency she's had across her career. And she's such a experienced competitor that it was always going to be a tricky night for, for Raducanu, who lost in straight sets, 6-3, 6-3. You know, I think there will be people out there who will be disappointed with the scoreline and the fact it didn't even go to three sets. And it was you know, so, you know, straightforward, um, you know, on paper and to be honest, kind of watching it on TV. And, 
you know, for Radicanu, it does mean that she will take a big drop down the rankings to about, I think, around 80-odd in the world. She's even skirting with not being the British number one going forward. Very, very close to Harriet Dart, who's had, um, you know, a standout week, standout performance against Kasatkina this US Open. But, um, yeah, it does leave us with kind of these questions about, you know, what next for, for Emma? Because it certainly feels we've had this break out onto the tour she's you know transitioned on store she's learned the hard way you know it's not been easy for her she had covid at the start of the year disrupted her you know training going into you know the first grand slam of the year and it's really been a you know situation of of stop start it feels ever since yes there have been great victories you know, I'm already thinking that win against Serena Williams is looking better and better as uh, as Serena moves on in this tournament. And she had that great, uh, you know, win against Victoria Azarenka recently as well. But for you both, where where do you think this leaves leaves her in terms of tournaments and the rest of the season? Because as you said, she's no longer going to be a defending champion. There is an argument there to say the burden has has been released, and you know she's a little bit freer. But it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for her, you know. You'd rather, I feel, be at the top as opposed to clawing your way back from further down in the rankings. Yeah, I think um, she's probably looking forward to being a bit more normal again and just playing some smaller tournaments, some two fifties. You know, mm. she this time last year she hadn't really played any of those. Like she's obviously played some since, but she's still so new to the circuit and. Most people do not suddenly go and win a slam the way she did. So she's already achieved It's like that. it's in reverse, isn't it? <laughs> and it, it's it's not something I feel like I can identify other players who have almost kind of gone in this sort of reverse trajectory. Because we always talk about, I feel, with juniors that they make their rise up the rankings and it's normally, you know, you know here and there, it, they could have a breakout moment. But the way Radicani has done it... The fact that she came through qualifying you know, last year, it really did propel her to the very top from out of nowhere. And as I said, we're sort of seeing this reverse trajectory happening. That is, I feel like the complete opposite to what we see with other promising juniors um, on the tour. I think that's true. I think I was trying to rack my brains to see if there's someone that I can think of. And even Ostapenko, who came kind of out of obscurity mm. to win that French Open... She then backed it up, I think, with a Wimbledon semi uh, quarterfinal or semifinal that year. And then she won a title later in the year, ended up at the end of season championship. So it that was quite different in itself. I think it is a case where she's going to be starting from scratch again. And that could go one of two ways. I think the question would be uh, how much she enjoys building herself back up again. From her interviews, it sounds like she's pretty up for the challenge you know she's done it before she's won from qualifying she's she'll play qualifying for the Australian Open if she needs to but the question that I had was whether tournaments will be handing out wild cards if she doesn't have the ranking to get in given the fact she is a slam champ and is that the right thing to do and how long after her winning the US Open last year would she kind of have that yeah, almost that fame and that that wild card Grace period. Um, yeah. worthiness, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of other people who will be fighting for those wild cards. So yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I guess it might depend on you know tournament by tournament, um, the location of them and who else is involved. But I mean, hopefully she won't be down at her current ranking. Well, seems sure to be current be. ranking for too long. But um, yeah, that's a interesting point. But I think she's almost in a way. Yeah, like looking forward to kind of getting back up there, but just doing it like her own way in her own time now without that kind of mantle 
Um, because I know if I was her, I'd absolutely would hate all the <laughs> expectation and pressure. I mean, do you think she should drop down to challenger level? No, uh, you know, no, the, the no. Level below the WTA tour to to if you're saying starting from scratch, where do you, where is where is scratch? Is where would you hold the line? Is, is it for you? WTA qualifying because I I still think there's an argument that in terms of her progression and her development if she needs match wins they're not coming that easily at the moment on the tour and as a 19 year old I I still think like that's absolutely fine and you know maybe there for me there are opportunities where certainly going a step further down might be the answer to just get that confidence get that winning feeling back that I feel like it's been a bit few and far between you know, so far this season. Andreescu did do that before her US Open triumph. Mm. Her coach, I remember at the time, made her play quite a lot of challenger tours and w- also watch a lot of men's tennis to really help from a problem-solving perspective. And she was watching lots of men's challenges, but also playing in the challengers sort of uh, ITF events herself. So actually, maybe I shouldn't have sort of uh, said no, no, no so quickly. But I kind mm. of feel like it's about getting a good balance again because when you play the big tournaments and you're seeded like that you get a buy in the first round and the other people you're playing might be come through qualifying have already played around be used to the conditions and I think it'd be good for her just to play full sort of 250s for, without having a buy and you know earning her way through qualifying into some of the bigger tournaments so that's kind of what I mean from, from scratch but I think this will go in a positive direction and she won't be kind of looking for a wild card you know come Wimbledon next year or anything like that I think she'll be um on an upward trajectory again but I mean what an unusual year positive vibes from chris there for i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying no no it's great i agree with you i can't imagine all her like brand partnerships being you know thinking you know i don't think they're gonna be thinking this at the moment but it it instantly begged the question to me are these are these brands thinking i didn't sign up uh you know radicardi to you know ultimately sign up a player who is going to be 80 in the ranking and is going to be showing off my Tiffany earrings on the in Transylvania you know, the ITF, <laughs> on the ITF level exactly yeah, yeah. Um, do you think do you think there will be that external pressure or, or influence that and I think for me this is a challenge I know that you know there's a lot of kind of criticism of you know of the, the number of partnerships that, that she's gonna she's coming with. and I don't I don't personally agree with that you know I think you gotta you gotta make the most of it as as you can but do you feel like She's almost been backed into a corner now with this high profile visibility that she has that she just can't go down to a level where she can be kind of a little bit more invisible because there's just so going to be so many cameras on her. She's got so many stakeholders now as well. She's going to need to just be on the WTA tour now and just just, you know, make sure it goes goes better than you know it has in the first six or seven months properly on the tour. Navratilova has been quite critical of her setup in her camp and the fact that she Mm. has been chopping and changing coaches and she really doesn't think that that's what Emma needs and kind of separating with the the coach that took her to the US Open uh, victory and obviously that came down to the fact that I think it was partly travel related but also to do with the fact that uh, she did choose to make that split so I think Get some good uh, work in with Terzanov. She seems to have said she's had a good first six weeks with him. Mm. And I think it's less about the big partnerships. And I think it's more about the partnership she had with her coach and in her team. And then the rest will follow. I think those deals aren't going to go away right now. And when you're young, there's a lot of positivity surrounding you and a lot of good feelings. So get get your partnership with your camp right before you worry about your bigger partnerships. Do you think she'll stay with, with Terzanov or do you think they should stay you know, with each other? Because I, I feel like they've had some so. good victories. Mm. 
I hope we've had she some does. good victories. I mean, I just feel like she's been through so many coaches, and I know she's got her reasons, but it does. After a while, surely it gets a bit ridiculous to. She's going to run out as well at yeah, this point. Yeah, there won't be a coach left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going back to the match, obviously, Cornet was, you know, much the better player. Um, she's currently in her second round in a battle with Katarina Sinyakova. She's got a break in the third set, so I imagine Cornet will come through. I mean, she's having a fantastic year, Grand Slam-wise anyway, beating some, you know, former Slam champs. And I think she said she's planning to play through till next year's French Open. But, I mean... Why not go further if you keep getting these wins? But um, yeah, mm. we'll, we'll see how she progresses. One player as well that's had, I think, a fairly good slam run this season. Danielle Collins obviously reached the final in Australia. She was up against Naomi Osaka on the Tuesday night session, which was just after we had uh, uh, recorded our last podcast. That was a, a straight sets loss uh, for Osaka. I think we both kind of called that didn't we Joel I think I think we were of that mindset that just, yeah mm, I didn't um, did I is that what you're saying Kim well <laughs> just rubbing it in I, no, think I, mean, you might well, I think that's that's four in a I think that's four in a row for Osaka yeah, so she hasn't, she's in a real slump at the moment yeah well, what, what do you think she should do next should I mean I know Joel you, mm. you think she's a part-time player but if she was serious and <laughs> wanted to part-time player I love that <laughs> put it delicately put it, put it delicately Kim that's well, for the WhatsApp I'm, chat <laughs> I'm just quote, I'm just quoting you Joel um, yeah do you, I mean if she really wants to you know get back up there should she be dropping down to the 250s I mean she's probably gonna have mm. to isn't she so maybe her and Emma could do a, a tour together a doubles team <laughs> well that that might in help Tallinn <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah it's uh, I, yeah, for Osaka again, it's it is a little bit like you know, Muradikanu, uh, you know, these losses, you know, there's a reason for these losses, and yeah, as I said, for me, she's not, I don't feel fully committed to the tour, and as a result, she's going into these matches. Maybe she thinks that you know, she can you know, just find the, the Osaka of old and you know, come through these opponents, but she's finding it very, very challenging at the moment, and it feels you know, at times it felt kind of quite far away from the you know the grand slam winning Osaka from a you know a few years ago so again there's going to be a need to to reassess her kind of situation what she does you know for the rest of the year but again I think in like Radicanu, she's similarly got kind of this this presence and this his aura and you know people love to to watch her but at the moment she's just not you know making ends meet on the on the tennis court in terms of her, her performances and um it's great to play the you know the the one thousands and and turn up turn up for them, but it doesn't seem to be doing the the business at the moment. And, and maybe she will need to look at playing the smaller tournaments to uh, to get those match wins under her belt. I think we shouldn't react too quickly. Obviously, losing four in a row isn't good by anyone's standards, but there was that crucial point in that match at four all in the tiebreak, which. Collins hit this fantastic lob after a pretty decent Osaka approach. And so it's one of those things where it is probably rust in those situations and on those big points. And that's something that Venus spoke about as well in terms of like, it is rust and court time and being a part-time player against the players that play regularly um, is difficult. Collins obviously hasn't played that much really this year since mm. Australia. So it's a particularly impressive performance from her, but I do think... Part- Collins was a Grand mm. Slam finalist this season. Yes, it's not like yes. and- Osaka lost to someone... Yeah, who was terrible. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Osaka reached the Miami final. So there are still some positives from this year. But I mm. think that the part-time player comment, although it seems a bit harsh, it's kind of true. Um, 
And it's hard to get those results when you aren't playing week in, week out. As Serena's also found, right? And then now she's finding some form after committing to the tour again. Can we change the lyrics to Stevie Wonder's part-time lover to part-time player? <laughs> part-time player. I've got that in my oh, head wow. now. You can um, walk out to it, Osaka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we are harsh. Um, talking of Serena, let's move on to, like, you know, yesterday's action, the second round proper. Um, Serena coming through against Contivate, three in three sets, six two in the third. This is um we we said she had a chance, it could go either way, perhaps. And once again, just proving that her on this core at this slam, you know, she is definitely a force to be reckoned with, even if she hasn't played much tennis at all in the last year and a bit um it makes us feel a bit foolish perhaps for like doubting mm. her did um, you guys doubt her i think i think i remember that maybe this is one of my few times i can glow in any way um <laughs> i'm doubting her retirement or her her evolution away from she tennis, hasn't given, given it a date has she yeah she's evolving a, into the third round it's a revolution not an evolution <laughs> yeah a renaissance maybe she's having a renaissance like wow. caroline garcia in her 40th year I mean, this was a great performance from Serena Incredible. Williams. It was probably, you know, best performance, that first set in particular, the way she, she started. I think Contivate, she did not play a bad match. She wasn't just like handed to, to Serena Williams on a plate. She had to bring it. And um, it was impressive again to see, you know, for me, similar to her first round match, her movement around the court and her speed um, was really kind of the... Again, that the standout for me um, that really kind of helped her just stay kind of dominant or in those dominant positions where she could just unload her ground straights from the back of the court. She was serving great as well. And, um, you know, when you're Serena Williams, I always feel like, again, when you have that first serve, if you get that in more often than not, you're going to get some free points and it's going to open up some opportunities and create pressure on the, the returner. And, uh, yeah, it was a very impressive win from her in the end and again i'm 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 a little, I'm a little bit surprised I, I feel like chris you're not as surprised as potentially me me and kim but i'm sort of thinking oh you know maybe like the tournament organizers they thought you know this was just going to be a nice stroll in song and dance for serena in round one and then you know that be done with it but with this performance i'm wondering if you know i'm not putting her into kind of like the, the contender category but Certainly, I think that she's got more to give than I think a lot of people, including myself, uh, you know, have given her credit for. Yeah, and she said it herself. I mean, she said that based on the performances of how she'd been playing coming into this, she wasn't really turning up is kind of how she put it in her post-match press conference. And I mean, Serena has, and this is meant with no disrespect, has that kind of had a bit of a habit of that. I mean, she could win a Grand Slam after losing to, you know, a player ranked outside the top 50. You know, it's but there's bits happened before. Um, obviously, that's not the case with like a Raducanu, for example, but a similar sort of loss where it didn't really look like things were clicking. But she said she's been practicing well and she just hasn't been able to bring it to the match court. And I think it's a case where maybe it's the practice. She's been getting a lot more movement in the practice because, as you say, her footwork was head and shoulders above where it's been in these last couple of months and uh i think although it's those diamond encrusted shoes right they're lighter <laughs> they must be lighter um <laughs> but no i think it's a it's a big question as to why why do we kind of always sort of counter out when she's had all these results before and she's triumphed so much against adversity and i saw a twitter poll and i think only 14 percent of people going into that final set said that um she'd win the set by 6-3 or better and she won it 6-2 so the question is like i don't know what you think kim but 
I think you can't count her out, but do I think she's going to win it? No. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, even if diamonds are, you know, doing some magic for her. <laughs> I think I think the pressure's a bit off. You know, I feel like having announced her evolution, you know, she probably thinks, well, this is one last hurrah, but no one's probably expecting me to win. You know, whereas the last couple of seasons when she's been in slams, after she made those like three finals after coming back from, you know, giving birth and not not being able to get over that final hurdle, like that was just, she was like agonizing over getting the record, wasn't she? And I feel like she's probably maybe accepted that that's maybe, I'm sure she believes she can still do it, but she's kind of accepted where she's, she's at. And she I doesn't think, need to do it now. Like she needed to yeah, before. Exactly. And I think obviously to be considered like the greatest female Grand Slam singles champion or whatever, one of the greats, like she doesn't necessarily need to get this extra slam. I think it's not going to actually necessarily change our opinion of her, like stats are stats, but she's still absolutely fabulous and great. So I think, yeah, pressure is a, is a, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing in, in the right way, but like also has been hindering her a lot, I think. It's a weird one because you you think Serena Williams and you just think every time she stepped foot in a you know Grand Slam singles draw, there's pressure there. And that's what, you know, makes her such a great champion is that she's had to she's had to deal with that and she has dealt with that, you know, incredibly over so many years and We've now got to the kind of the very end or, or what feels like the, the very end. And it's her final Grand Slam. And this, for me, is like the one Grand Slam where, as you said, the, the pressure is off. And I think, you know, she may be feeling like that lack of pressure and it's it's translating into kind of a freedom on the court that maybe we didn't see in the, in the run-up because, you know, she was, she just kind of put too much weight of expectation on her you know given the announcement um given all the you know the media and maybe it took a little bit of time to get used to but it's a funny thing for me how you know on the on the grandest stage of all with you know packed out Arthur Ashe where for me arguably the pressure is is greater than ever actually she's just playing with you know a freedom that I don't think again we've seen in such a long time and 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 the reason for that is because yeah, she's just always stepped on the court and has got that she's, favorite tag. She's an underdog. She's an underdog this yeah. year, Joel. And she said again in her press mm. conference that since the the last time that she didn't have pressure on her or the expectation was the U.S. Open in '98, the year before she sort of won wow. it. <laughs> and she said she had she had a, a, a cross <laughs> on her back ever since. And so I think that might be why she's sort of playing so freely. But the crowd must be playing a big role in this. And rather than the, it being the pressure of the crowd kind of trying willing her on, they're more celebrating her and celebrating the good shots she hits and actually celebrating some of the bad shots her opponents hit, which is a bit unfortunate to see. But you've got to beat Serena and the crowd this year. I mean, what did you make of the crowd? Because I feel Quantivate handed it, handled it very very well I mean she's such a a professional on the court and I think other players wouldn't have, have handled it in the, in the way that she did so I think there's madic, massive credit due there but yeah for me the crowd were pushing the envelope at times mm, I do think it was sometimes quite disappointing to see that they were playing such a big role in the match and yeah. Contabit was obviously kind of upset that well the last question of her press conference was around um, the fact that everyone didn't want it to do well and I think that's something that is quite difficult is that it's it's really harsh. Um, I think it's not necessarily nice to see. Serena's obviously been on the wrong side of crowds in many different ways in the past. But I think we'll see kind of as we go through this episode that 
that the crowd at the US Open, it is uncontrollable. It's a completely different experience. Uh, it's so loud. There is so much going on that um, players have to be prepared but for that. But does that make it okay? Are we just saying, oh, it's part of the New York City DNA that, you know, the crowds are going to be like this? It's, you know, that's the reason why it's not, you know, like like Wimbledon and tennis players need to be able to handle those situations or is it you know or is it something more than that or do you just get Nick Kyrgios to have a go at the crowd because he seems to take <laughs> take them all on yeah at a lot of Very people true. in the crowd especially I mean, the his, drunk ones yeah and, and the ones apparently and the ones smoking weed marijuana yeah. under the influence yes yeah so he was uh yeah claimed that there was a fan uh smoking marijuana in his match against um, Benjamin Bonzi yesterday. I mean, Kim, that statement just there alone, I have so many questions. Like, you can't smoke in, in the US Open. So how how is someone doing that? How have they managed to get drugs into the arena there are so many questions uh, i smell when a that defamation out, case it's very bizarre it's <laughs> well, very bizarre yes yeah. exactly <laughs> I, actually if i was in the crowd i would actually come forward and say actually I'm gonna it wasn't you. yeah <laughs> defamation yeah i mean after that that woman at wimbledon who curious <laughs> 700 drinks was, or something was drunk yeah. who's now trying to sue him uh, I you would have thought curious <laughs> would have learned yeah well yeah well, i mean would we got, <laughs> Uh, Actually, to be fair, yeah, probably not. He got through tennis-wise anyway in four sets. And uh, yeah, he's sort of come out and said he's, I guess, surprised in a way because he's being quite professional about tennis at the moment. And um, I guess when he... You couldn't tell that from the court. I mean, he was... No. I mean, the lasting image for me from that match against Bonzi where, again, he played some great tennis at times, but he was ready to explode at times as well. And he actually spat on the court, which I abs... That is my number one thing I absolutely hate. More than, you know, verbals and stuff. To see that on, on visuals, it's just, oh, it's just awful. It's not Second good, Second grand is slam in a row as well, isn't it? Because it wasn't the first yeah. round yeah. Uh, against Jay Clark. He did that as well. He said he was spitting at his box, but then in his press conference, he said that he was wanting to do well for his team. So I'm very confused. I mean, that's <laughs> just... That's, yeah, I mean, that... Why spit it? I mean, like, he... Yeah. Ugh, ugh. Don't know what to say about him. <laughs> the dynamic between him and his box is 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 fascinating because on court, it's like the odd couple. You know, he absolutely hates them. He's shouting at them. They're looking at him and they're actually, like, giving him, you know, encouragement. And uh, I find that dynamic very, very strange in terms of how it operates and how completely different it is to I feel like what you would normally expect between a, a player and their team yeah I mean Medvedev gets annoyed at his coach doesn't he mm. a lot and uh, he walks off so I think maybe it's more common than we think to have that sort of aggravated relationship I, I don't know <laughs> but tennis wise he's doing all right isn't he and he's got um mm. A Chinese opponent in the third round, Wu uh, Yibing, who's a qualifier, um, who has come through, beat Basilashvili in the first round, um, and also then beat Nuno Borges, who was another qualifier. Um, he's the first Chinese male player to reach the third round at the US Open. So um, good on him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, just going back to, I think, I just wanted to touch upon, you know, going back to Serena, another former champion, actually someone who did beat her in a one of those finals we were mentioning, Bianca Andreescu. Um, this was the match that, you know, I thought was going to be, I guess maybe the winner of this match could could go really deep. Uh, Andreescu against Haddad Meyer, who 
has been in good form. She double bageled Anna Konya in the first round. But Bianca Andreescu got the better of her in straight sets. So I was quite um, impressed by Andreescu. And I'm thinking, is this her chance to go on a bit of a run? What do you think, Chris? Because I know you're a bit of a fan. I'm a big BB fan. <laughs> I have watched probably on loop her saying that this is Nike's fault and not hers. <laughs> um, and the apology did come and she's like, I'd be happy if Nike sponsored me forever, but I really didn't want to have to sacrifice uh, a break, like a, a toilet break or a changing break to only get two in a match. So I thought, fair enough. She said what she had to say, but I don't think she realised it would become quite as viral as it did. Um, <laughs> so... Nike have probably sent her, yeah, as we say, like a whole load of shorts that will keep her covered for the rest of the tournament. But I was surprised because, you know, she's been a bit of a mixed bag this year. You see flashes of of brilliance and you think that she's so many components to her game that when they're working, she can really kind of weave a fantastic web of, you know, different spins, different uh, different touch shots. The drop shot was such a big part of her game when she won the US Open. And it seems like she's finding that variety again. And after she gets past, you know, the ever tricky Harmony Tan in round one, um, I don't think people thought that she'd be able to kind of put in such a good performance so early. So is it too soon to say how it would go? She hasn't been deep in a major for a little while now, but you can never count her out. Someone who's done it before knows what it takes. Um, and I'm looking forward to see how she how she progresses in the tournament. She's got Caroline Garcia. <laughs> I take that back. I think she's had a great tournament. And I think Garcia, I need her to do well for my predictions. So maybe, maybe I'm backtracking um, on that one. Well, Who's going to win that one? Quite a lot of people have put the third round for Garcia in collective really? state, including myself. But I mean, I hope I'm Kim. wrong. I obviously want Garcia to win that one. Um, Renaissance. Yeah, I know. We need, we need the Renaissance to be complete. <laughs> We need her to win a Grand Slam in Or final and not serve it out. That's that's as good as the Renaissance oh, was get, we decided, God. right? That's as bad as Heather Watson in qualifying. Oh, God. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, talking about finalists, Leila Fernandez, last year's finalist, also out, lost to Sam mm. Sonova, who I think is looking very dangerous. And yeah. It's in Serena's in, section, I think, yeah, of the draw. Could play Serena fourth round. I mean, that would be a, a really cool match, I think, to see how they would match up against each other. Um, Sam Sonova on 12 victories in a row now. So, yeah, she's she's still going strong. Got Krunic next, which you would expect her to come through that. I mean, it's amazing to think that, you know, Leila Fernandez and Emma Raducanu, between them, you know, won all those matches in the, in the singles draw last year. This year, they've only won one between them. I mean, you know, it, it's... I think it's back to that point. It's not, you know, necessarily panic stations for, for Emma. Lots of players are going through kind of rough times at the moment. And, you know, you see their seedings, um, you know, where they are or, or previous achievements. And it's not quite clicking for them because Maria Sakkari, Paula Badosa lost today as well. Both players who, you know, have been high up in the, in, in the rankings recently have good seedings. Annette Contivate as well, although granted against Serena Williams. It just shows that, you know, at the moment, on just on the WTA tour, you can't necessarily look at the seedings and think, yeah, they're, you know, they're, mm. they're going to start as the favourite to, you know, go on into the, you know, into the tournament. I do feel bad for uh, Leila Fernandez, though, because Samsonova would have been seeded. She was already in the top 32, but obviously the, the mm. win last year put her into, uh, last week, sorry, not last year, put her into, I think, ranked live ranking 26. So that is a pretty tough draw. And Leila Fernandez played a pretty good match. But 
I think Sam Sonova could be someone who she doesn't mind who she's playing, what seed you are. She can do some serious damage and maybe the Ash crowd might really fire her up to produce something because um, that can go both ways. It can make you go with a bit within yourself or it can make you really think, right, let's stick it to 29,000 people. But the seedings, I think, have to be taken with a pinch of salt and it's becoming more clear at Grand Slams that the number one and two don't often or, well, don't regularly play each other in those latter stages. And I think with the amount of top seeds that fall so early, you know, it makes sort of Emma, for example, probably, I mean, she shouldn't be too... You know, feeling too bad about herself because there's so many of the top seeds that just lose so early on. So it's, you know, it's it's kind of a common trend, isn't it? But um, I mean, just talking about a disappointing loss, I think yesterday is from a British perspective. Harriet Dart up against Dalma Galfi, who, you know, is very similar in terms of ranking to to Harriet. And after having such a, a great win over uh, Kazakina in the first round, you know, Dart very much succumbing in the sort of very quick fashion six love six four I think it was or six four six love um what did you make of dart I mean just not not able to back up that win and just not very impressive at all really it was uh not not a good match at all for her three winners 18 unforced errors says it all really yeah, it was night and day difference. I I, I, I wondered if that match against Kasatkina, like she literally just <laughs> gave all of herself for that match. And as a result, she was just too spent, um, you know, physically and emotionally, um, you know, for her match against Galfium. And maybe she started at a disadvantage because it went away from her very, very quickly. And it was a little bit, you know, disappointing to see. I do think, you know, for me, I think there is a conditioning question around Harriet Dart in terms of, you know, she is a very kind of fit player, but I certainly think that there's still room for improvement there in terms of, you know, this is what it takes, um, you know, to to play and to go, you know, consecutive rounds at a grandstand, which, you know, she's not done too many times before. But um, yeah, very, I feel uncharacteristic. And it was a shame she couldn't, I think, draw on the, you know, the performance that, that she gave against Kasatkina, um, against a player who, you know, she would have been looking at and thinking, this is a great opportunity for me to get to, to round three of the US Open. Yeah, it's a shame. I think in her first round, she was shouting at herself midway through the match, like, you're so unfit, or that sort of stuff. But obviously, she wasn't too mm. unfit because kind of the adrenaline got her through then would be the answer. But I mean, it's kind of inexcusable, you know, to to do that. And it's I guess it shows you just how hard it is to back up the big win. And it's something we've seen so many times before is you players get the win of their life and then they go out to someone that probably none of us had really heard of before. And the same is true for players who, um, you know, have never done anything before and then they're inspired by the situation that they're in. So I think it's a shame and Dart will rebound from this, I'm sure, and she's on a positive trajectory this year. But you do have to think with three winners and 18 on four stars, you're never going to get it done. And there's, there's kind of got to be a reason for it. Um, but it wasn't all negative for the Brits, was it? I think um, we all were very, very, very pleased and impressed with Jack Draper's performance. What did you guys make of the the straight sets win over FFA? Yeah, I think, I mean... <laughs> FFA? <laughs> You've got the acronym <laughs> wrong. <laughs> How have I done that? FAA. We, we don't want to know what the second F stands for. <laughs> <laughs> Felix Felix Asim. Yes, that, that that's what I thought it was. Yes, FAA. Sorry. Far, not for far. Far, yes, not for far. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Jack Draper backing up that win against Rusevori. I mean, he was definitely 
you know, he looked the better player on court. It was, you know, three straight sets, only had three break points, wasn't broken throughout the whole match. Um, very comfortable, just the sort of performance we want to see, like, you know, a solid, solid win. Um, very impressive. And Felix didn't really have an answer, you know, wasn't able to change it up. And yeah, I mean, Jack Draper, I th- just excellent stuff playing Karen Hatchnov next and I think he has a chance to go even further um or am I getting too ahead of myself there <laughs> no yeah I think it was a, a you know fantastic win for Jack Draper win of his career so far this season has been a real breakout for him it's been very exciting to see from a, a British point of view I think you know, the match against Ojali Asim it was you know small you know small margins but Draper was winning them, you know, every, every time. And there were a few too many sloppy service games from Oja al where he got broken, a few too many unforced errors as well. And uh, yeah, it all added up to Jack Draper winning in set, straight sets, which I think for me was the, the most surprising thing. I sort of thought, you know, Draper had a, cho- had a shot here, but I didn't think it was going to be as comprehensive as that and that for me was the most impressive thing was how he just maintained his level throughout the whole match and the fact that he didn't face any sort of break points after the first set and uh you know when he was serving for that first set you know he was in in break point down and again kind of came through but the fact that he didn't face anything on on in that second set or third set on his serve was mightily impressive and He's just got all the components, hasn't he, to make you think, ooh, you know, where is this where is this kid going? Um, you know, up the rankings. Because it's 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 funny to see how, you know, him, Emma Raducanu, similar sort of, you know, age, we're talking them in the similar, you know, breadth of conversation, obviously on, on different tours. And it's fascinating for me to see Draper, you know, rise and rise above the rankings and we're seeing him make that breakthrough gradually. Um, you know this season versus Emma who is sort of you know on a bit of a on a bit of a come down at the moment when will Jack Draper get a Tiffany deal is that what you're asking uh, <laughs> what's the male happen? what's the male version of Tiffany mm. like a Rolex Gucci watch or something Hugo Hugo no, Boss he'll get, he'll get a boss he'll good. get a Hugo Boss yeah he'll get a Hugo Boss sponsorship through Berrettini and maybe me. maybe a spot in the Davis Cup team what do we think <laughs> He deserves it. You keep banging. You it's keep all I banging talk on about. about the... I think there's no space <laughs> left, but I'm like, someone needs to go, and let's argue no, over it. I think there's. I <laughs> get I rid believe... of Andy Murray. I believe, Sir Andy there Murray. Is a... Sorry, you have to go. Sorry. <laughs> I believe that there is another like slot available in the team that Leon Smith can use. Um, shout out to Lee at Tennis and Telly who told who told me this. Mm. Um, so. I think there is opportunity for him to be integrated into the Davis Cup squad. Well, make the announcement now. I'm very worried. Yeah, I'm like, Leon, what are you waiting for? I think this What's is... What's he got to do? You know... Win the USA. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's that. Yeah, that, that I would I mean, the Brits you... have been doing so well. I mean, would you... Based on this, would you have him even play one of the, the live... The live rubbers? Even though, you know, Dan Evans and, and Cam Norrie also into round three um you know at the US Open do you still have them as your or top two or do you think Draper from what you've seen this season even if his ranking is is lower do you think the tennis you've seen of him has made you be like yeah he could handle the pressure of of Davis Cup and I'd give him a go right second singles he's someone that you would not want to play players haven't really played against him um, and I think that's a real weapon when it comes to the Davis Cup because as someone you've played against a lot like a Dan Evans potentially who's been on the tour for a while um, 
you can get a better match play against him and uh, you can get prepared for that match. But Draper, he's got nothing to lose. And I think it will be um, a tricky a tricky one for a Davis Cup and he'll be inspired to, you know, prove his worth. But should you go with the ranking? That's, that is a tricky one. Oh, it's like fantasy football, isn't it? It's like, do you go with recent form or do you go yeah. with... Fantasy football, Kim. Well, oh, I don't know. It's... it's well, Fantasy Davis play... Cup, GB Fantasy edition. Fantasy Davis Cup, yeah. <laughs> Who do you put in your team? It's yeah. A, yeah, it's Maybe a we should do that and work out a scoring system and then um, <laughs> oh, just gosh, the three of us will play. <laughs> my brain can't compute that. Right, let's take a quick break now. Um, but do join us in the second half, everyone. We'll be having a look back on all of today's action so far from day four of the US Open. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to our US Open round two catch up sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to look at today's action so far. We've had a couple of, well, quite a few results in already. Uh, Joel, you referred to this earlier. Cameron Norrie has finally got her the business done and won his match against Zhao Souza. Um, so that makes it four British men through to the third round, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, on the women's side, we've had some wins for Garbina Muguruza, which could have been a bit dodgy, but she came through over one of the Linders. Um, she's got Kvitova next, who had a walkover over Kalanina. Um, Pagula's through, Martic is through. She took out Bedosa. We're not surprised by that, are we? Not surprised by that. I'm going to say I called it. It's one of, again, this is one of the two things I can say I called. Uh, two versus the 80 things I actually got completely wrong. But Medusa um, hasn't made it past the fourth round this year in any slam, which is a bit a bit poor. Um, it makes you question the seeding again, doesn't it? Because mm. people are picking up lots of points outside of the slams and then uh, not backing it up uh, at the slams. So... I don't know why, Maybe, that's, why that's happening to her. Could there be, I mean, just as an aside, could slam seedings be based on like points gained or either in the race or over the last few months? Could it be more like a recent form guide? I, I don't know. Um, might jazz things up a bit. Um, Pagula is through straight sets over Saznovich. Um, Azarenka is through over Marta Kostuk. I thought that match might be a bit closer, but it was 6-2, uh, 6-3 jobby. But I think what's most... I thought the handshake was going to be a bit closer as well, Kim. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit... Um, well, it was a racket tap. It was a COVID, it? COVID handshake. Yeah, and that's because Marta Kostuk has beef at Victoria Azarenka for participating in the fundraiser event that took place Prior to the US Open, Kostuk obviously angry that Belarusian players and Russian players were invited to take part in this fundraiser. Um, I think Kostuk was also asked to be in it, but refused because she didn't want to be involved if the others were. Um, I mean, do, do you think she's got a point with this? So, you know, do you sort of think that she should have taken that onto the tennis court or, or left it as an aside? I was expecting this scoreline to be a lot closer, and I wonder if. This actually, this context actually distracted her a little bit, and you know it was to Azarenka's advantage. Um, but yeah, I, I I can understand you know her her point of view, um, and I think maybe the U.S. Open should have looked at it a little bit more um, forensically, um, and not just you know just put out invitations to everyone, and you know maybe should have understood from the you know Ukrainian players, you know if if it should have been open to everyone, including Russians and, and Belarusians, because it's, you know, it still reminds us all that I think it's a very 
delicate and precarious situation you know going on at the moment and I think it's easy you know the longer and longer it goes on I think it's easy to just sort of just assume you know just looking at it on the tv that it's still just you know we don't see their flags and their their countries next to their name but it's obviously a lot more deep-rooted than that and uh Again, this match Azarenka cost it was, you know, a living example of that. And um, you know, it's it's it was interesting. You know, the the racket tap, the fact that you know there's still animosity there between players representing different you know nations. But I'm glad that they kind of got on with it and just you know had the tennis match and didn't get into anything more, um, you know, more wild than than that. But yeah, I think certainly. Um, yeah, it was. It just reminds. It just serves as a reminder to me that um, you know it's still going on and it's still causing animosity on the on the tour. The celebration was quite a bit bigger than I thought it would be. Azarenka was pumped mm. at the end of that one. Yeah, and I think she it it did make it look like she was annoyed at the situation that that panned out because I think she wanted to be there to show you know that she's from Belarus, but she's been very outspoken against the war. So I. Un- you can understand it from that perspective. But at the same time, you can also understand it from like Marta's perspective, where that is something that you would feel a certain way about. But um, yeah, I think I could just understand it from Azarenka reaching the third round. I mean, she got... yeah, the performance she gave against Radicanu, like what just over a week ago, was was dreadful. And I was just thinking, it was barely making the court. But maybe this is what it yeah. took to fire her up, which makes you question yeah. some things. But she, I tell you what. On Twitter, she's very inspirational. She tweets Driftwood on the daily and maybe some of the, <laughs> the fantastic bits of advice is of, mm. you know, like love everyone around you. It's very, I, fi- I mean, I follow her for that reason alone. So maybe she's done a bit of uh, relaxation in between, a bit of meditation, and now she's back to her winning ways. But yeah, unfortunate draw, but um, it's a shame that they haven't found a better solution for some of these matchups and some of the, the exhibitions where everyone is able to uh, get along. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for me, I think I'm surprised Azarenka maybe hasn't taken American citizenship at, at some point, seeing mm. as I think she's been based over there for many, many years. So I don't know if we, we will see some players doing that and changing over where possible. But um, I mean, let's take a look at some of the other results. Um, just wanted to mention Yule Niemeyer, Wimbledon quarter finalist. Uh, you know, she beat Heather Watson, didn't she? at Wimbledon and uh, no, I don't think anyone had really heard of her before then. She's into the third round. She beat Putintseva today. So it seems like she just seems to, you know, love a grand slam. Uh, she's bringing her A game at a slam and she'll have either, I think, Potapova or Zheng next. Um, don't think that one's been played yet. Uh, Benchich is also through. Um, we've got Sviontek, world number one, also through. Her first match on Arthur Ashe and she was up against Sloane Stevens. Uh, former champion straight sets this one was six three six two I was kind of hoping it might be a bit more dramatic um what did you both make of of eager out on Arthur Ashe today do you think she was I don't think she was at her best myself but I think obviously she did enough and um I don't know she's sort of just made her way through comfortably so far hasn't she for me she's the you know she's the world number one but she's it feels very understated her presence in New York she's not been given any primetime slots in, in my opinion yet you know she's just been on the the day session on ash coming through relatively easily um yeah I was a little bit surprised as well that um Sloan couldn't um push on and I'd, I'd, I'm curious to see what Chris thinks of that Sloan Stevens performance because mm. me for me watching it on the court I you know I just felt at times particularly on serve she was just 
dropping in her serve at, at a speed that I was like, she was playing like a game that for me, for me was quite reserved. And maybe she was like relying on, you know, errors to come from, from Igish Fiontech, which, you know, ultimately, yeah, there were some there, but there weren't, you know, as many that she, she obviously needed. But yeah, for me, it felt like So Stevens was a little bit underpowered on the court. And I don't know if she got her tactics wrong or, or her strategy, but I certainly was like, you need to hit, you need to hit through her. You know, mm. Caroline Garcia did that against Igor Sviontek mm. and look where it got her, um, you know, all the, you know, those weeks ago, I can't remember which tournament it was, but the Polish one feel in, like, in Warsaw. Was her, that, her yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm. Her father's tournament. That's it. But I just feel like here, Sloan Stevens had the power to maybe take that approach against Caroline Garcia. We've seen that from her before, but for some, for, for whatever reason, she just failed to implement it. I mean, as a Sloan fan, it's something that you have to come um, come out and kind of without kind of getting too... It must be so it. frustrating. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is frustrating because I think everyone knows how good she is and how well she can play when she puts it together, how much power she has. And some of her shot making, it's almost like she said previously that it's very hard for her at times to like to dial it back and to find that balance. But I think it's a little bit reminiscent of the Sloan that didn't really turn up. Um, you know, post uh, COVID, when she was going through an awful lot and she was not having great results, like it wasn't particularly competitive, um, and a match that it really should be. And in previous years, she has been competitive, even when she hasn't had the form. Um, but I mean, as a Sloan fan, you have the highs, you have the lows. We we were having a few more lows at the moment, but I did think after her first round match, where you know she went down six one, and then she went down, uh, what was it? I think it was two two love against Greet Minin and. The first round, I thought maybe it's one of those tricky first rounds and then she'll power through in the second when the pressure's off. But uh, disappointing, I think a lot of people were disappointed with um, with that match and it was given a, a good slot. It was Eager's first match um, on Ash, I believe, and uh, it didn't live up to the billing, which isn't great for tennis, but I do think it's good for Eager. And it seems like she's really knuckled down again after a not necessarily great US uh, open swing and... It's quite um, a statement victory in many ways. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Iga progresses. And I think it would be good to have her have a deep run in this tournament. Well, she's got Lauren Davis next, who had a bit of a bizarre scoreline. Tough, tough draw. Yeah, Davis lost the first set today <laughs> against Alexandra uh, Six Love and then came back to win. So I do love it when you get those rogue score lines um I just Kim I just always remember when we were at the Australian Open and I, yeah. I found myself uh, you know, just going around the site during qualifying, and I actually found myself next to Lauren Davis, and she's tiny. She's so small, yeah. She's very petite. It's impressive she is able yeah. to be just like get you know get to the you know third round of a grand. That's Im- impressive, given yeah she's not the most imposing player on a tennis court. And I'll Bit never like forget Sabolkova. Sorry. Yeah, small and powerful. Um, yes. I'll never forget that match against Halep at the Australian. Yes, those match oh, wow. points. Yes. I know. 2018. That was amazing. Mm, Absolutely was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> just to round up some of today's action um, on the men's side, uh, obviously Norrie is through, Evans is through, uh, Alcaraz is through as well. He will face Jensen Brooksby next, who knocked out Borna Koric um, of Cincinnati fame. Um, yeah, this was a straight sets victory, but I mean, Brooksby had to save second set. a hell of a lot of that set second points. Set. <laughs> Seven set points uh, Korich had in the second set. How did he not manage to get over the line on that set? I mean, must be really frustrated, at, um, you know, not levelling it up. 
he let the frustration control him. Mm. We know Jensen Brooksby is a player who is awkward. He upsets the rhythm um, that you can find yourself in with you know his variety of shots, his jump ball shots, um, all the you know the spins that he uses, and the variety and his general demeanor on court as well. I think got under the skin of of Chorich. I think he said at one point you know he was just shouting "Come on!" Uh, you know after si- literally every single point. And I think you know the way that third set pro you know just progressed away from 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 Chorich. I just think he. He let Jensen Brooksby get under his skin, and as a result, he ended up losing the match in a pretty comprehensive fashion that um, you know would have been disappointing given just how many opportunities he manufactured in that second set. But on break points, he was one out of fifteen. Um, yeah, he will be an- annoyed, I think, given the platform he gave himself coming into New York. He's not really been able to deliver on it, and he, you know, he had his chances. Yeah, there was no plan B for Borno today. I felt that his answer to sort of the retrieval skills of Brooksby was just to hit harder and harder and go for more Mm. because he hadn't had those success on those bigger points and maybe he was slightly passive at times, but it requires an awful lot of patience to play against someone who's a little bit awkward like that, who has great retrieval skills. And um, I mean, in the slams, it's obviously over like multiple sets. So, uh, well, multiple more sets in terms of the five sets. So... I think maybe he's just a bit out of practice when it comes to the the big stage and um, and that side of things because you would normally not get that third uh, that third set if you'd lost the first two and he mentally seemed to have exited at that point. It was um it was tough to watch. So it's a shame you'd have thought someone like Borna would have had a plan B, um, but at the same time it's another another US player who's a, a young player who's who's doing really well and it's it's good to see some of those young players. Um, doing well it's a shame obviously for someone like Borna who has had injuries and is coming back but um it's going to take uh, a lot to beat um a Jensen Brooksby in, in the US especially when he's pumped up yeah he reached the third round last year um lots to took Djokovic the four. but he has got Alcaraz next so that will be a very tough test um another young American who's doing well uh Nakashima is two sets up over Dimitrov so I'm hoping Brandon can uh, get through that one he would play Sinner uh, in the next match. Um, but let's have a look at what's happening tonight because we have a lot of doubles in action on the show courts tonight. We've got the Williams sisters up first on Arthur Ashe uh, against one of the Lindas, Linda Noskova and Lucy Radechka. Um, a lot of people saying, oh, this is quite interesting that doubles are being scheduled for the night session. I mean, it is the Williams sisters, so... I and it's the last time they're probably going to play doubles at a Grand Slam ever, so I can totally understand why. <laughs> um, and then we've got Rafa against Fabio Fonini uh, to follow that one. Now, any Rafa fans will know that Fonini beats <laughs> Rafa from two sets down here at the US Open previously, so I'm a bit tentative about that one myself. More so after that round one performance as well, where he dropped yeah, the first set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rafa up against Rinky Hijikata, wildcard from Australia in the first round, dropped the first set. I woke up at half one UK time in the morning and checked the <laughs> score because I, I couldn't stay up. You know, I've got to work in the morning and what have you. But And I was just like, 
had pins and needles. My neck was aching. And I think it must have been because <laughs> Rafa was a set down and I could sense it. <laughs> a Did sleepless you get the night. Yeah, yeah. We always have that sense with our favourite players, don't we? I know. So, and then Sloan. I yeah, went back to... Uh... <laughs> you must get that all the time. Though, I haven't Chris. slept in years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so that's coming up tonight. I mean, do you think Rafa's going to like put Fonny to bed or do we think this is a bit dodgy? Mm. It's the consensus. No, I think I think you know he may have scared himself into playing really some really really like good tennis. Um, yeah, obviously not the the best way to start your your US Open campaign, but yeah, I feel like he should have Rafa, enough. Rafa, Rafa in three or four, you. right? Probably. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, let's let's hope it's uh, comfortable. Um, on the other court, we've got Danielle Collins against Christina Buxer, um of Spain, and that's followed by another doubles with the the Aussie pairing. Uh, Kokinakis and Kyrgios against Gaston and Musetti. I mean, that's quite a fun pairing as well. Ugo, Gaston and Lorenzo Musetti. Um, do you think that's an interesting choice to put to put them on a show court in the evening? Or, you know, that's going to be loved by the, the US sort of late night crowd, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're going to like love that atmosphere. is going to be great there. Um, and I, yeah, it's great. I think doubles is getting a platform. Yeah. I personally would say it's a bit overkill to have Serena and Venus Williams mm. on Arthur Ashe in the night session um you know I, I don't feel like he's going like, you know man. Serena Williams <laughs> yeah but I just think you know for me um I think this could have been somewhere else and, and maybe it could have been a spot for a, you know a women's singles match that didn't involve mm, mm. you know Serena Williams um I, you know, I get that, you know, the Serena Williams sells tickets and, you know, this is an easy way to kind of sell out, um, particularly in, in those night sessions. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm a bit, I'm a bit hesitant to just be like, oh yeah, Serena. Oh yeah, first match on the night session. But um, I think, I do think it's good though that they put the, the ladies singles on first with that, that Collins match, because, you know, we did, I think, get like last night where, you know, I think on Louis Armstrong, you know, the the ladies match came on after 11pm and it's just like, I know that's, again, some will say part of the, you know, the DNA of, of the US Open, the fact that it can go so late. They don't have like, you know, licensing laws, planning laws like, you know, at Wimbledon. But um, yeah, I think always think those situations are a bit too tricky for, for players to, to deal with. And I shouldn't feel like they shouldn't have to deal with them. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they put the, the ladies match on, on first on, on Armstrong. Yes, I, I agree. And um, I mean, let's just look also at tomorrow's order of play as we go into the third round of the US Open. Uh, Andy Murray is opening up Ash uh, against Berrettini. Uh, yeah, they seem to be enjoying giving him the kind of opening match slot uh, these days, which I mean, so far it's working. So I hope it continues to work. Uh, that's followed by Madison Keys against Coco Goff. So an all-American affair. And then Joel much to your um you know delight <laughs> serena's on in the night session again against tom Lianovich, followed by medvedev against Wu, um which i think would be quite fun to cheer on uh because you know woo um oh <laughs> hang on i lied he's not playing um i thought kyrios was playing woo i lied earlier kyrios is playing jj wolf in the next round so it's medvedev that's playing woo um Tomorrow we also have Jabor against Rogers and Tommy Paul, Casper Ruud and Alison Risk against uh, Chong Wong. Andrescu Garcia is a night session and then, yeah, Kyrgios Wolf on afterwards. 
standout matches from them? Any upsets predicted? What well, are you I thinking? think Rod- Rogers might take out Ons. I've got a feeling about yeah. that one. I think that could be a tricky one. But I, would... I've got a feeling Ooh. as well that Serena Williams is going to take out Aya Tomjanovic. Don't say that yeah. because when you've said she won't, <laughs> she's won. <laughs> yeah, let's um, let's put the curse two, or, two, curse on two tie break sets or a seven six seven five. I'm saying to Serena. I think I she can certainly. I mean, I think yeah, I think Serena can do it. But I also did predict I think Tomjanovic in my quarterfinals. I, th- so I think I put her going quite far as well. So probably I didn't think Serena would be playing her, but there we go. Um, yeah, Mari Berrettini. <laughs> oh, who's going to win that one? I mean, Berrettini's not looked great, I have to say. So I think Murray could do I it. Think you know, you know set. what you're going to get with Berrettini. Therefore, you're going to be able to kind of plan. And we know Murray's such a great returner mm. of, of big serves. I do still remember that match though they had at Queens, where you know Berrettini just it was just quite comfortable for him ultimately in the end. But um, I think this is a different type of Murray. I think he's played some great tennis. Um, you know, that match against Emilio Nava, he got riled up, I think, by Nava's celebration at the end of that that first set and just, you know, took him apart. So I'm hoping he can pick up where he left off. But yeah, it's going to, I think, come down to how he handles that Berrettini serve and just get get it on his backhand. Get it on his backhand. He'll win more points and hopefully he'll win the match. I also think Tommy Paul will take out Gaspar Reed. Ooh, Although okay. he's had quite a lot of long matches, but I just, I hadn't mm. predicted him. Well, I don't know if I put it in my predictions, but in my mind anyway, I thought he might go <laughs> on a bit of a run here. <laughs> um, so before we head off for the evening, um, Chris, did you want to reveal to us finally your collector set predictions and then we can laugh at how potentially bad they were? <laughs> I'm laughing already. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd like to do that, Kim. Is it optional or? Is uh, that no, we're going to force it. Okay. This is like your, okay. this is like your initiation process. Yes, I do feel like it. Uh, it's a rite of passage. For round by round. So yes. um, I had, Medvedev for round four. I had Fritz for the win, which um, wow. <laughs> which I I texted Joel when Hallett went out, and I was like, "Well, this age badly," because he. <laughs> and then fast forward to later that day when Fritz goes out to Tracy Austin's son, who we didn't know played tennis. Um, Alcaraz I had for round three, so that's not looking as positive as I thought because I did think that Courage would take him out. Um, Radicani for a semi final. This is really. Um, not going well. Hallett not for, great. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Hallett for round four. So that mm. one also not great. But Garcia for the final. So I reckon oh. if everything runs to plan, I could get three, uh, half a set. <laughs> <laughs> likely, a likely based on form so far, I'm going for zero. <laughs> I think I'm heading for the wooden <laughs> spoon. Is that a... Is that do you have that as a competition well, prize? Well, we were thinking, yeah, we were thinking that we do need to maybe develop a, a wooden spoon for like between us for the, okay. the lowest, and we, we can just we sort pass of get it around. around. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, we'll look into that and creating, uh, yeah, creating a, a wooden, a spoon, green along spoon. With, yes, yes, along with the uh, the tennis weekly mug. Maybe it'll be a tea, a wooden teaspoon. Um, <laughs> but uh, a saucer. but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but listeners i hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest round by round catch up round two of the us open with tennis weekly remember to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on to stay up to date on all the action at flushing meadows we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the download tennis.com app 
And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do give us a like and a follow. Do let us know all your thoughts, feedback, comments and any questions you've got for our mailbag as well. And you can also email us on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back on Sunday morning at Tennis Weekly HQ to catch up on all the action from round three as well as look ahead to round four. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.